You're listening to Speaking Stellar Girl with Terry Tkachuk, an interview series that inspires women to live their most stellar life. Terry is the co-founder of the Stellar Girl Movement, and she is sitting down with women all over the world to hear about the key moments in their lives and how they live boldly, compassionately, and ultimately became a stellar girl. Welcome to Speaking Stellar Girl. I'm your host, Terry Dukacic, and I'm thrilled today to have Dr. Dendi Engelman joining me. Dr. Dendi is a board-certified dermatologist, a Mohs micrographic skin cancer surgeon, and aesthetic dermatologist in New York. Some of her celebrity and clients include Sylvia Vergara, Elle McPherson, Christina Ricci, Kristen Chenowitz, and Dorinda Medley, just to name a few. I can't wait to learn from you um, and learn to talk all about skincare and, and what you do up in New York for all of your clients. We have so much to cover today, and thank you so much, and welcome. Thank you, Terry. Glad to be here. So um, when did you decide to get into dermatology? Well, um, I come from a lot of people in medicine in my family, and my dad is a, a general practitioner, and I kind of grew up thinking I would always do that. I wanted to be a doctor since 10, 10th grade. He took our chemistry class to the hospital on a um, field trip, and okay. I had wanted to be a lawyer up until that point. I'm not quite sure why. Um, and then <laughs> I go ahead and see lawyers. Um, and then I just fell in love with everything medical, and I... I loved the visual aspect of dermatology. My, my dad, um, I'm from South Carolina. And so there's, a, you know, there's a, the general practitioners take care of everything. He delivered babies. He worked six days a week. He did surgeries on Saturdays. So um, I always loved the procedural part of what he did. And I was super interested in that. But um, I love dermatology because it was so, you could see the disease and you could see it getting better or see it worsening. And the patient's really engaged in their own treatment because if you have a black psoriasis and you see that it's going away with the treatment it's really compelling and it really engages your patient to be part of the journey with you and so all of those things drew me to it um but dermatology is super super competitive and in the state of south carolina where i train there are only three spots in the whole state per year so it's really hard to get into so i was really really lucky because everyone's the same so it really is luck at that point um to get a spot. And, and I joke that my father is the only dad in the world who was upset when his daughter matched in dermatology. <laughs> I think he wanted me to follow in his footsteps and do uh, what he does, um, which is amazing. And I love that. And, but he, um, you know, of course is proud of me. Uh, of course. We, share, we, we consult each other often throughout the week on different cases. Well, you are an acclaimed dermatologist up in New York and, and actually all over the U.S. Um, I'm from Chicago and, and heard all about you even, even back then. So um, you, your career has come such a, such a long way. So have you always been interested in skin or, you know, you were just sort of, okay, this is where I'm, this is the path I'm going to take. Um, well, I laugh now when I look back, I'll be 45 in November. And the fact that I ever wow. thought about doing anything else in in medicine is is crazy because if you look back at pictures of me and my cousin my friends we did spa days starting at like eight we'd be all in, in my parents like jacuzzi tub in our bathing suits doing like eight million masks and the sea breeze and 15 hair you know conditioners and we um i loved all everything beauty everything aesthetic i was sneaking my mom's blush and at like 
six to and my little three-year-old is always stealing my makeup so it's mm-hmm. funny I've always definitely been into aesthetics and um I love that you know, I think what I'll try to teach my children, as I'm sure you do yours, is just find whatever you love. And then it never seems like work. So, um, yes, I have always loved beauty and skin and um, and all that goes along with that. And so it's lovely to be in a world where you get to to help others in their journey, in their beauty journey or their skin health journey. I mean, I, as a skin cancer surgeon, obviously, it's not just about the beauty, but also health. Of course. Well, you are a stellar billboard of your profession. You look absolutely beautiful. Um, I do, you know, I do, everyone always has asks me this question. I don't know if that's often in, in your, well, I'm sure it's often in your world or your clients, but you know, people talk about, you know, have you had Botox? Have you had filler? What are you comfortable talking about? And I mean, I lay it all out there. Um, you know, I am what I am and yeah, I'm going to, get a little help along the way, but why do you think there's, you know, challenges or misconceptions or why are people scared to say, Oh yeah, I got a little help from, you know, from Botox or Dysport or a, a Juvederm. Like, why is that? Um, yeah, I don't know. And I love that you're laying it all out there. I think that we as women need to champion each other and also share our secrets. And certainly for a while it was very taboo and even it's more regional. I think, I mean, if you're from, you're in the Midwest and I'm from South Carolina, it's still a little taboo. People don't talk about it. I mean, there'd be beautiful women who are well into their sixties who look great. And clearly they had had some help other than the Pond's cold cream that they were claiming was their secret. Um, Even their daughters, they wouldn't know what their, what their mamas were doing. And I think that um, for those who aren't as savvy and know what all is out there, it is a gross disservice to your fellow woman that you know you make all these celebrities who are like oh I've never done anything I wouldn't inject anything I've never done plastic surgery where clearly they have and there's some lady in Iowa who is 60 and doesn't look like some of their age match celebrities and thinks that they're genetically flawed because they didn't age that way and it's just physiologic aging unless we do get a lot of help along the way or a little help um it doesn't tend to end as beautifully as we see on camera. So I always right. joke that anybody you see in Hollywood who you think isn't, hasn't had work has just had good work. You know, the best work is undetectable, mm-hmm. but if you can achieve a, a, a natural aesthetic that helps to um, have you age beautifully and appropriately. I don't think that 50 year olds need to look 20. That's no. like kind of um, silly, I think, but um I think that we, within a decade of looking younger is, is totally reasonable. And I do think like you, Terry, if you share those secrets, my favorite comment is from Sophia Bagara, who told me, uh, if you told me to eat crazy glue, that it'd make me look younger. I'd do it. You know, she just is like, I will pull in anything. Right. But she looks beautiful and perfect and doesn't look overdone. She just looks great and timeless. She does. And she's, me, she's beautiful. And she's, you know, in her, She's 49 on Saturday. Wow. Anyway, she looks amazing. And um, you've been training her for years. I've I've, treated her for years and she's perfect when she walks in. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to do to you. She's, she's so perfect. Um, and, and lovely, but I think that, you know, these are the billboards of like doing tiny tweaks where you really save off the signs of aging is a good testament to what we do. We certainly see in the media things that have been overdone 
and that kind of takes away from people's natural beauty. So we want to find ways to enhance natural beauty, but not take away from it. Yeah, you you always you are very careful. Like I was watching a few of your IGTVs um, on your Instagram, and you know you 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 touch up people so they look their best, their natural self, um, without being overdone whatsoever. And the celebrities and the women that we see on camera, you know, are a testament to that. So that's spectacular. What are a few misconceptions about, you know, skincare that people may or may not know these days? I mean, like what's the difference between blue and red light therapy or, um, you know, I've had um, PDT treatment um, for my skin issues. I mean, what are there, are there misconceptions out there that, you know, that you might have a little, well, obviously you have the inside scooping on everything, but that some of our listeners may not know about. Sure. Um, well, I think the, the vast misconception is often that you have to have a lot of money to have a good skincare routine. And I can help you find beauty on any budget that you have. Um, and so that's one that I think we don't need to just think that everything needs to cost a trillion dollars in order for mm-hmm. you to help uh, your skin look nicer. Um, the drugstore brands, there are some lovely ones there that have done great things. And they're often owned by um, conglomerates who do the higher end and also the lower more mass. So that's, that's um, one misconception. The difference um, when you asked about blue light versus red light, um, we use that, that's called LED light emitting diodes. And those are treatments that we use in office or at home to treat various um, skin conditions. The red light is anti-inflammatory. So that tends to be when people are worried about rosacea or signs of aging. Those are ways to help increase blood flow um, and calm down inflammation. There's this whole concept in aging now about chronic inflammaging, where if your skin is inflamed for a long time, then it actually accelerates the signs of aging. And so those are ways to combat that. Even, you know, they even have those home LED masks that you can wear. Um, And then blue light is often for acne, or in your case, when you were talking about um, PDT, photodynamic therapy, Mm -hmm. it's used in this country, it's typically used with topical ALA, which is a a chemical that we put on the skin and let it incubate for about an hour. And then we expose it to blue light, which activates that for about 20 minutes. And that helps to reverse sun damage and treats actinic keratoses or sun related growth um, that are indications of skin damage. And so they can be precursors to skin cancer. In Europe, they use that as an anti-aging treatment as well, because it does induce collagen. So patients here, often insurance will cover it, which is great because you're kind of getting a two for one benefit that you're reversing sun damage mm-hmm. and also your skin is going to look nicer from it. So if, if insurance covers it, I often recommend that because yeah. patients get so much benefit um, from skin health and skin you know, beauty. Absolutely. So my, my PDT treatment was to treat, um, obviously some, um, skin damage, but, uh, sorry, sun damage, but also, um, cystic acne. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't a candidate for Accutane, um, you know, 10 years ago. So my dermatologist suggest in Chicago suggested these three treatments, which the acid that you were talking about that goes in with the blue light is not a very pleasant, um, procedure. (laughs) You're, you you were you felt like you were on fire <laughs> for those 20 minutes and then you stayed out of the sun which we all should do a little more of anyway um but i mean i as you know my age i i was one of those girls when i was 16 on my rooftop with my girlfriends um holding tin foil and and uh going from like sun tanning with baby oil 
And, and now it's all, you know, sunscreen, cover your face, sunshade, all of that. And, you know, but there's so many um, chemicals in sunscreen these days. Are there any that you're worried about that are on the mass market that we should be aware of? Yeah. I mean, a lot of them. And I've honestly gone to the point of, especially for my children, like nothing, I don't put any chemical blockers on them. I use only mineral ones. So zinc oxide and titanium. And, you know, when you and I were coming along, you thought about zinc oxide, like the, the Australian surfer or the lifeguard who had the white nose and it was literally like bright white. And you knew it was like a paste, almost like diaper paste. It was, that's made of zinc oxide as well. And now they've done beautiful ways to make the formulations way more cosmetically elegant and they're micronized or they're coated with nanoparticles in order to keep that white cast from occurring and they're more universal in every skin tone. So they're much more life-friendly for every user. And we have to be mindful of, you know, skin comes in many, many shades and we don't want to mix out a whole, um, you know, demographic because of of skin tones are non-compatibility. So they're much more cosmetically elegant now, which is great and super inclusive. And so I categorically, and most dermatologists, if you really put, you know, put our, um, you know, a gun to our head, we would say that we would just stick to the mineral sunscreens. And that's certainly what we all choose for ourselves and for our families. Um, And because I feel like uh, almost every day we're hearing more and more about different either environmental effects or potential dangers of the chemical sunscreens. And so I just kind of say we have beautiful ones now that we can use that um, don't make you look like the white nose lifeguards. So why don't we lean into that? Because we know those are totally safe. They just sit on the surface of the skin. They really don't require any chemical conversion to be active, like the chemical sunscreens. Um, and they do a great job. The key uh, is we have is there to- a brand do- that you can recommend? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, the ones that I love, um, one is out of Barcelona. Okay. It's called ISDIN, but it's available in the US now, I-S-D-I-N. I-S-D-I-N. And that's a great one that has 20% zinc in it. Um, it has a crazy name. It's called Aerophotona actinica, which just means uh, redness from the sun. And then actinica, like actinic keratosis, also means from the sun. It's more of a Latin name. Um, but it's very science-driven. It actually has an enzyme in it that repairs DNA damage. So it's a real working sunscreen, but its component is made of zinc oxide. Um, I love another company that's out of the U.S. called Skin Better Science. They've done a beautiful job making physical sunscreens, mineral-based sunscreens. One comes in a compact and it's like a a sunscreen primer that is beautiful and elegant. And then they have a great one called Tone Smart. And then I love the the powder ones because you and I are like makeup girls, right? So we're not going to, and then yet the dermatologist tells you reapply every two hours. If your face is all made up, you're not going to put on all over your made up face. But that's a great way to reapply is through the physical blockers with the powder. And then you can always have it in your bag. When you get on a plane, no one's taking it because it's not a liquid, you know, so that's a great one to always have on as well. It's very easy and doesn't spill. Um, And for my people who are outside exercisers too, that's a great one because it doesn't like sweat and drip in your eye and sting. So I feel like everyone can find a physical blocker that works for them. You just have to make sure you're trying, you know, all the different forms that it has. Do you feel that people need to put sunscreen in the, on their scalp or on their head? Yes, especially men. Um, okay. As a skin cancer surgeon, I have done skin cancer work a lot, um, but on the scalp, I, 
because women, we women tend to have more scalp coverage because of our hair and because there's more longer hair and typically more of it. Right. Um, that's a, that's a block to the ultraviolet rays getting to the scalp, which is still skin. And men, as they thin, obviously have, um, a little bit more scalp show and subsequently more damage. So I do, I don't love the spray sunscreens as a formulation because you have to use so much more than you think of in order Mm -hmm. to really get the coverage that's on the bottle. But for the scalp, I like that or the powder ones because they aren't, um, they won't make your hair all greasy. So that's a a great way to use those as well. That's awesome. Earlier you were talking about, you know, how we can better champion women and talk, you know, freely and truly about, you know, what our skincare routine is. And I'm always that girl that's like, if someone goes, Oh, what are you wearing? I'm going to like flip over the tag and like show her. Cause I don't, Sure. I'll share everything. Um, so at Stellar Girl, we're, you know, we're a community that supports and champions and elevates um, other women. And you're obviously a, an exemplary example, example of that. But and how do you think we can better champion and celebrate um, women these days? Well, um, you know, I've been having this conversation a lot lately with okay. um, all kinds of women who I have the great um, gift of having these almost mini TED talks all day long with the, the titans of every industry in New York City because I get to see the finance people and the yeah. lawyers and the entertainment people and it's just it's so fun to have all of New York kind of bring you their their little threads and history and stories um, and a lot of of my patients are are in the beauty industry and they're editors for Vogue and Harper's and. Mm-hmm. People magazine and all of that and and we've been talking a lot in these female run or majority female world where we're all cheerleaders and trying to lift each other up until someone's close to your level and then the elbows come out and all of a sudden the claws come out and there's this competitiveness or this passive um, tearing down that is not getting us anywhere and I think I think evolutionarily there is some weird trait that women have because we only have so many eggs to go around you know there is some kind of competitive nature that you need to get you know protection you need to get you know your you need to get your man and then when you're going to protect your babies and you got to get the food and so you know i mean i always go back to caveman days to think where did this trait come from because right. women are so amazing until they feel threatened and then it's like we we stop supporting each other. And I do think that the more we have that conversation and just recognize that we, we have this inherent um, potential to be competitive and not to uplift. If you own that and just look to recognize it, I think that will help us to continue to just celebrate each other because we have, have, there's, there's enough room for all of us to thrive. Right. I don't, I don't love, um, that quality that we have and it's like um you see it often we joke that the women get up in the morning and sharpen their elbows so that they can like i think um, there's room for all of us to win i think there's room for all of us to win we don't have to compete and you know we don't want to compare because that's the thief of thief of joy we want to we want everyone to win there's room there's room for men to succeed there's definitely room for all of us to succeed yes i agree and i think once you come to that space of, of recognition and, and, and you have to, there's a lot of like self-love and self 
um, self-championing that needs to go with that as well. Because what happens when you're feeling threatened? You feel like you're not enough, right? So if you feel like I am everything I need to be to be my best self in at Stellar Girl or me at my office, then the then you do allow space for everybody else to thrive. Because Lord knows, I mean, you can throw a rock in New York and hit a cosmetic dermatologist on every block, but some of my very best friends are in my exact same space. And in theory, we're competitors, but I know that there is plenty of work to go around. Yeah. And so do they. And so we do tend to champion one another way more than those who came before us. And so I think that it, the change is coming and it, it will continue, hopefully, to just get better because there's plenty of plenty of room on this earth for us all to be. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. So let's talk about your upcoming book. What can you share? What can you tell us? Um, well, um, you know, I, the, the world needs another beauty book, like they need another hole in their head. That's I mean, not always true. <laughs> but I think that, um, you know, what I want to bring is something that makes me unique in New York, which is kind of the, the Southern beauty perspective and, and the, the little secrets that I've learned from, from my female um, relatives and traits that have been passed on, but also with the, with the knowledge and the expertise that, that my work provides me and all my studies. And so it'll kind of be anecdotal, but also with, with support of, of what is true and what is false and, and hopefully like a very fun read if nothing more, but also some education in there as well. We're all missing a little fun in our lives. That's yeah. for sure these days that's what we always we, at Stellar Girl we're all about having fun because that's what's missing there's a lot of movements and organizations out there that celebrate and champion and empower women but we do it with fun we try to like Stellar Girls always leave a little sparkle behind we created a glimmer lotion that glitters because we can always leave a little little sparkle behind us Sparkle lotion. That's so cute. Yes, I looks will. great on you. Oh, thank you. I will. I will send you some as well. But <laughs> like in, in regards to your little treats about your book, I mean, my grandma. You know, you have all your relatives that my my grandmother said. You know, she put olive oil on her face, whether or not that was a good thing to do at the time. She, she you know, she passed at ninety seven, but she ate garlic sandwiches, oh. and she's wow. like garlic made my made me feel better. She never got a cold and made her skin glow. I mean, I'm. I highly doubt that's really well. I mean, it's a, it's a great proven. I, 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 one, she she was ahead of J Lo on that curve with the olive oil, so that's good. She's a trendsetter. Um, and then, I mean, garlic in in the uh, wellness and overall health has a lot of um, total body benefits. Yeah. Um, you know. And it probably kept her very healthy because people stayed a little bit away because, you know, didn't want to get too close. Yeah, you too close. It, it'll permeate. So mm -hmm. you're also going to be appearing on the Today Show mm -hmm. coming up. And when is, has that been scheduled? It hasn't been scheduled yet. We've been back and forth with the um, final run of segment, but um, I have, I was on few months ago I, I go on fairly regularly and it's yes it's, it's, they're so nice they're like such a good family speaking of empowering one another yes they're they really are. a sweet group it's not just made for tv they really love each other they're a great team of women over there as well yeah. absolutely so is there one thing in your career because you've cheesed so much um is there one thing one thing you could would have done differently mm. or wouldn't have you not changed a thing um you know I don't I don't know that I would change anything. I mean, even the things that are were 
perceived setbacks, you know, you learn from those. And I, I love the, the saying that um, disappointment doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. You know, there's, there's real, or failure, you can, you can insert a lot of words there, but they're really, you know, make you who you are. And so um, I don't have anything that I would say, oh, I wish I'd done this sooner. I think the timing, uh, if I look back, even though I, I guess I would say um, I didn't have my first child until I was 39 and I love my little ones so much. I have a three and a five-year-old and if I weren't older, I would probably have more maybe if I'd had that, but then I wouldn't be the same mom that I am now and maybe I wasn't ready for that. So even that I would say um, probably worked out as it should. And the timing of your book, speaking of timing is when is that coming out? Uh, well, I don't know. It will be, um, it's been, except, you know, it's been, it's been, it's in the right words, but I, I don't know exactly when it'll come out yet, but I will certainly shout it from the rooftops when it is. Heck yes. That's quite an accomplishment. That's an amazing, you know, to get a publishing deal and to write your story, um, you know, all the way from South Carolina being a volleyball player that you were. So was I, and I'm oh. French is my major as well. Uh, je, je parle français, je suis canadienne. So I've, I'm from Canada and um, French and, and languages were my major. Also, yes. I have had one patient ever who in the hospital who only spoke French. Okay. And that, was it. that was the only time it came in handy in a medical sense. I mean, my husband, he speaks it as well. And we, we like to travel to France and we use the pen, but in the U S you know, it's or even in Paris, you, you speak in, I do my best French with my Southern accent. And then they answer you in English and you're like, oh, mm. I'm trying really hard. I know. J'ai besoin de pratiquer. No one wants to work with you. Everyone wants you to speak, you know, exactly with their, with their accent versus, you know, the Canadian one or the, or there's maybe the, one from South Carolina, but yeah, the South Carolina one is not well, well accepted. My husband, um, he is from Long Island, but he often, when we're in France, they'll think he's from Canada, which we'll take as a big win because that means they at least think that he had some native speaker. So I know all the vocabulary and I tell him and he says it with his good accent. I do not think I could get through the medical vocabulary in French. <laughs> you no. could, very similar. It, well, yeah. I appreciate you so much. I can't believe the time has flown by so fast. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, it's already over half an hour. I, I really appreciate you sharing all of your tips and tricks and the fact that you are so real and authentic and all that you do and all that you stand for. Um, and you've made the most beautiful women even more beautiful. And I um, thank you so much. And we met through Francelle, who is also a stellar girl. Yeah. I love so her. We all love. support and champion each other. Thank you so much. Thanks, Terry. So thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell icon to be notified of new episodes. To learn more about the Stellar Girl movement, please visit us at StellarGirl.com.